Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. is episode 98 of the say hey podcast part of the belief podcast network i am doug hayes it is march 23rd 2023 32323 rob what's going on my man what's going on man it's been been a couple weeks um got t minus what not even a week now to yeah opening day to 10 a.m and uh at yankee stadium our time week from today man i am not ready but Man, it's you know the the uh, the fire's getting burning a little bit though. I think I think I'm getting there. It is baseball time, and you know what? The season is upon us, which means, of course, this is becoming an annual thing because we love having Kevin Cunningham on, mm-hmm. and uh, I think this is the third time Kevin we've had you on the Say Hey podcast. And uh, you can find his work at GiantFutures.com. Follow him on Twitter at sfgiantfutures. Kevin, welcome back. How you doing, my man? Kevin, I'm. I am doing great. Thank you. And yeah, I'm just like you, Rob. I don't know if I'm ready for the season. And honestly, I don't know if the Giants are either. Uh, but it is good to be back. I'm, I'm enjoying this new format. I love the video. I love the uh, intro video there, really featuring the creamsicles, huh? Oh, yeah. You know it. Um, yeah. Sometimes, you know, we look okay. I, I had to go with the, the Emeralds hat tonight. So yeah, yeah I have to wear a hat because my hair is not as like luscious as yours. Uh, <laughs> mine either. Mine either. I think, lights, I, 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 I think everybody knows that. So, <laughs> it, hey, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm 45 years old and I can grow hair like this, I kind of have to. You have to. Yeah. You have to. Enjoy uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Kevin covers the uh, Giants prospects again for Giant Futures. Um, and you happen to be down in spring in the spring training area right now, at the beautiful. Uh, where are you at the La Quinta Inn? I believe. Yeah, the La Quinta Inn in North Scottsdale. <laughs> I'm telling you, two point five out of five stars, man. Can't hey, recommend fifty percent. That's could, that's succeeding in baseball. So yeah. could could be worse. Could be worse. Could be worse. It could be the Motel Six. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. So, like you said, you're you're down there in the Scottsdale area. You know what you've been doing? Have you gone to some games? What's going on? Well, I gotta admit, this has been more of a leisure trip for me. I'm down here with my best friend. Uh, this is my first trip since 2020 i was actually here Mm. right before the pandemic hit so that was the last time i was in arizona so this is more social so i haven't gotten to minor league camp but i'm going to the games gotten to see a lot of the prospects play which has been very nice you know whether it's like sean jelly kicking some tail against the dodgers which was really nice to see or bryce johnson pretty much strong arming his way onto the roster so Mm -hmm. it's mostly been good except for the games today i don't know when your audience is going to listen to this but uh yeah they knew the major leaguers nearly got no hit today by the guardians but the prospects kicked the white Sox all over countback ranch so i call it a win 50 50 day so yeah um we just love having you on especially i feel like this is the second time you've actually been in arizona when we've had you on and and you know it's fun because uh you're there like watching and that's what we like about you and you tell it like it is and you're honest, which is why you just fit right in with us. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, we, we love bringing you back every time. And uh, so we're just going to jump right in. We want to talk giants prospects uh, before the season gets started next Thursday. So let's do it. I'll, I'll get us started. And of course I'm going to be boring and ask the obvious one. Um, everybody's talking about Kyle Harrison. Um yeah. You know, what's your personal projected timeline for him in 2023? You think he's going to be up early, be up late? What do you think? Uh, Up late. Uh, I know everyone's eager to see him. Obviously, he's been the most exciting pitcher in the farm system since, you know, pretty much Tim. Um, So everyone's really excited to see him. But I mean, this kid, he's still, he doesn't even turn 22 until August. And he's still working on sharpening his command. You know, he's only played 18 games at double a hasn't played any at triple a so i don't think you're going to see him 
get into the bigs unless he is really overwhelming because the Giants do have a pretty loaded rotation. Yeah. Yeah. They probably got six good guys now. You got Sean Jelly, who's there, and not a lot of people are excited by him, but he can fill in innings. And he's on the 40 man roster. And, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any need to rush him either. I do think we'll see him. I think he's going to get a cameo in September. And then I think Farhan Zaidi, being the Farhan Zaidi we know him to be, will hold on to him in Sacramento just long enough to make sure we get an extra year of arbitration out of him. <laughs> You're not wrong. I see that happening. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. The Giants, with the depth they have, they bring in Stripling, they bring in Manaya. Junis is back. Di Scalfani's back technically. So um, there's plenty of starting options there along with, you know, Sean Jelly, like you said, too. Um, so um, it, I, I think Rob and I have said this uh, a couple of times over the last few episodes. Like if Kyle Harrison's up, I don't know, before July, August, the Giants are probably in trouble. And yeah. it because there's a lot of injuries. I would agree with that. And to be fair, this is a rotation built upon injury history. So <laughs> uh, that is very possible. And let's, let's face it, Descalfani wasn't looking all that great today. Uh, although the rest of the team's been looking pretty good. Like, I love seeing what Wood had a couple of days ago. I uh, got my first look at Sean Manaya earlier today. And, you know, he wasn't great, but he was definitely doing the job. And, you know, that's kind of what you want out of him at this point. So, it's really going to take a lot for the Giants to get desperate. And even then, if the season's a lost cause, I don't know if you want to burn the minor league time to let your top prospect get rushed rather than show up polished, you know? Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Kevin, what do you think the organization's plan is with uh, Reggie Crawford this year? think it's going to be more time on the mound or more time in the field? What do you think? The, the whole two-way aspect of that is kind of confusing, I think, a lot of people. I think it's confusing, but I think it's exciting because, yeah, right. there's some some dude, place for Anaheim, what, Showtime? Show yeah, something? Show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something I'm like that. excited about Shohei Otani. Uh, I, obviously, like, I just saw the stats from the World Baseball Classic. He led all the hitters in hitting. He led all the pitchers in pitching. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude's a unicorn. So anyone says two-way <laughs> player, they're going to immediately start hoping. Yes. And Reggie Crawford's like the prototypical power prospect. He brings you power hitting. He brings you a power pitching with 100-mile-an-hour fastball. And he's got a power arm, although he plays at first base. So mm-hmm. I don't know what you're going to do much with that. That being said... Here's the two things you need to know. First, the team says they will play him both in the field and on the mound. Right. And I think that they're saying that partially because that is one of the things it took to sign him. And I think they're earnest. They're going to let him do what he's going to do. And let's face it, he if he develops as a hitter, he's the number one first base prospect in the system. That's mm-hmm. not as much a commentary about him as it is the other Everybody, guys. Everybody else, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that said he's going to be a pitcher and that's, it's going to be a pitcher long-term. And there's really just a couple of reasons for that. He's an okay hitter, but he's going to have strikeout problems. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a high schooler coming out. um, So he's, he's going to swing for the fences. He's going to hit air a lot of the time, but there's also the fact that he's a very raw pitcher as well. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. Mm -hmm. He's already very much a fastball pitcher. He needs to work on his secondaries even more. And there is significant reliever risk with them. And what people don't think about with two-way players because they haven't had to is that it doesn't work with relief pitchers. True. What are you going to do? Like if your guy is playing first base, you can't take him out of the game to go warm up in the bullpen. Nope. If he's the DH, you know, maybe he's going to come up when he's warming up in the bullpen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's before you talk about the fact that the Shohei rule where you can have a starting pitcher stay in the game as a DH, even when he leaves, leaves as a pitcher, that doesn't apply to relievers. It's a good point. So there's just so many reasons why if Crawford goes relief, which I really do believe he will, it just doesn't make sense to try to push the two-way player with him. So yeah, pitcher could be a very good pitcher. He could be a really great reliever. We'll see. Definitely something to keep an eye on. I mean, he's he's got a ways to go until he sniffs the big club, but um, 
definitely definitely be keeping an eye on his development over the next couple years for sure. It was it, it was kind of funny the other night watching Otani kind of run back and forth between the bullpen and <laughs> the, the, the uh, dugout. Right. I was like, man, this is just like high school, <laughs> you know? It's just like, oh, I got to hit, oh, I got to warm up, and I might come in. So uh, at least he was good. warm. He was. He was ready to go. Yeah. So, so Kevin, my next guy I want to talk about, and I could never, I n- never know. Is it Sweeney or Sweeney? Nick Sweeney, right? It's pronounced it Sweeney. Nick Sweeney. It's, it looks like Swiney, but he's yes. not a pig. Yeah. Uh, Sweeney. <laughs> Nick Sweeney. He is. And by the way, I forgot to mention this at the top. I apologize. Mm. I'm going to let you uh, plug your rankings that just came out this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, your top 35 Giants prospects rankings. So we'll, we'll get to that. But ranked 14th for you. And he's the Giants number four uh, starting pitcher in your rankings. He had a decent 2022. Lots of K's, lots of walks, like many other guys in this organization. He just turned 24, so he's not ultra young anymore. Do um, you think the Giants are going to be aggressive with him this year since he's getting a little older, um, especially since he will be at minimum with Richmond this year? Yeah, and you know, there's a reason why they've gone a little slow with him, and that is because his 2021, really his first pro season, was limited because he had a concussion. I still don't yep. know how he got one. It wasn't on the field as far as I could tell. Um, But yeah, he missed most of the year, kind of came back, really had a great time when he was actually there. And then he had one of the most inconsistent years I've seen out of a pitcher. Um, While he was with Haye Eugene, you know, he in early May threw 5.1 innings in what was a no hitter. He threw seven strikeouts, no walks Uh, at the end of June. He had a six-inning game where he had 12 strikeouts and two walks. Um, On the same token, he had quite a few games where he blew up and gave up four or five runs. I think he did that like six or seven times. Um, So, yeah, there was a matter of consistency there. And it's just like some days his stuff was working, some days it wasn't. And you get that with pitchers, even a college pitcher who's just in his truly first pro season. So I think they will be aggressive. He's had time to figure out, like, what's going on on the days that are working, what's going on on the days that aren't. Yeah. And uh, I think they're going to be aggressive with him in Richmond. Yeah. That being said, you're not going to see huge rises out of him. Uh, Sweeney's best pitch is his changeup. He's got a very good changeup. Not the best changeup in the system right now, but uh, that's what he's going to work off of. And if he can get his fastball consistently working with a little bit higher velocity where he's got a little bit more separation between the two that's where you're going to see him really working well and let's face it change-ups actually do real well in the eastern league where you've got more discerning hitters who are looking for the off-speed stuff to hit you know they're going to look for sliders they're going to look for chain uh for uh curveballs and someone who works like fastball change-up might be able to get them off their pace good point yeah you think uh i mean he's he's basically all of his appearances but one in the giant system he's been as a starter you think they keep using him as a starter as well this season yeah i don't see okay. any reason why they might be taking him off unless there's some health concerns okay but stamina really hasn't been a problem he kind of started to tire out at the end of last year but again kind of expected you know so i don't i think he's going to be in the rotation unless something very specific happens i don't think they're going to try to push him to relief to get him up faster at double A, you're practically on the doorstep anyway. I mean, Logan Webb barely spent any time in triple A at all. Right. Uh, you know, and he pretty much made his major league career off of what he did in Richmond. So, yeah, yeah I, I see something like I, I don't know if Sweeney's going to skip triple A, but he's right there. He's not even on the 40 yet. It's, mm. He's going to be fine. Okay. Kevin, kind of sticking in the uh, pitching category a little bit. Aside from Kyle Harrison, which minor league starting pitcher should we be most excited about coming into this season? Well, this guy's a little less sure to stay a starter, but if he does, he's who I'm excited about. And that's Mason Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really just kind of blew up last season. Uh, 3.21 ERA across both levels of single A. 136 strikeouts to 36 walks and 112 innings. You don't see a lot of guys who have a ton of strikeouts with a high 90s fastball. And he's able to control the walks. Yeah. So that is really exciting to see in a pitcher. And that's why I like him to stick as a starter, because he's going to be more efficient. He's not going to tire himself out, throwing a lot of extra pitches and facing a lot of extra batters because of the walks he's giving out. Uh, 
Uh, he's got two different types of fastball. He works with both the four seam and a two seam to the different sides of the plate. Uh, his slider is his big pitch. He really made some changes with it after getting drafted in 2021. And that's what he's using for his strikeouts. If his changeup really becomes a weapon this year, and that's going to be what his primary assignment will probably be. Uh, I think that's going to lock him in as a starter. And he's the kind of guy who uh, I've seen some people say back the rotation, but I like him kind of like a mid rotation guy. It's not going to be an mm-hmm. ace, but he's going to be someone who is going to rack up some strikeouts and be intimidating. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to complain about that. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to stick. <laughs> I think, uh, I think Rob and I like pitching. Uh, I'm going to stick with uh, pitching here. Your number 16 overall uh, Giants prospect, number six starting pitcher, Will Bednar. Okay. So 2021 first round pick for the Giants. How big of a year is 2023 for this guy? I mean, he had an entertaining first year in the minors uh, a couple years ago. Dealt with some injuries and command issues last season. Is this kind of like the breakthrough season or the fallback and like this is what we are season for him? I mean, I don't want to give a make or break year for any first rounder because the fact you're a first rounder gets you chances. True. Um, Extra long leash. Know, it is, it is the <laughs> – I thank you for going there. I wasn't about to, but I appreciate <laughs> you taking the, heat, taking the heat off me. It really is. It's a privilege. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's going to get a lot of chances because of that. That being said – is this the year that he gets taken seriously or where he gets kind of dealt like a few other former first rounders, the giants have had in the mid to late 2010s. Um, the, that this really is it. He's got the excuse of injury last year. And even then, I mean, it was like, he was a very different pitcher from what he was in college. Like, yeah, what you didn't list off his resume is this is the guy who was a college world series MVP. Yeah, and he sat down one of the best lineups in college baseball two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, or yeah, two years ago, uh, in fascinating fashion. And this guy was a bulldog on the mound. And last year, it might he might as well have been pitching for El Paso because he was a Chihuahua. It just <laughs> was a very different guy. Uh, he hit, uh, I think it was six batters in his first start of the season. Yep. And again, lower back strain. You hate to see it for pitchers. It's the kind of thing that kind of goes on. We don't know for a fact that it was affecting him early in the season, but it certainly seems like it. And it would explain both why his velocity and his control was off. So if that's the mulligan, he's got to come back this season, hopefully healthy, healthy, and uh, see if he can kind of catch up. Now, if he shows that same velocity he had back in 2021, then I think you can say, okay, We'll forget about 2022. Sure. It's going to happen. There's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Injuries are always there. And I think a lot of people reset their expectations on it. If he doesn't, now he's got a track record. And now you're Mm -hmm. thinking like, well, maybe we can get like a mid-inning reliever out of this guy. Right. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, 51 walks – or I'm sorry, 51 strikeouts, 22 walks in – uh, 43 innings last year so definitely command was an issue uh, if he can kind of cut back on that a little bit then you know the stuff's there I mean we knew that like you said when he came out of what was a Mississippi State I believe yes yeah. um, you said Bulldogs I mean I guess that worked uh, <laughs> so yeah um, definitely uh, gonna follow him this year and hopefully he can get healthy and stay healthy and we'll see where he ends up so Kevin, uh, your number seven prospect, Luis Matos, had a bit of a lackluster year in Eugene last year. How does he get back on track this year? Well, he needs to have already put in the work by this point because what he needs to get back on track is be stronger. Um, And the good news is, Tom, in today's game, he looks like he's got shoulders. You know, I mean, he needed that. Uh, Last year, there was a lot going on. Now, again, talk about nagging injuries. Um, I forget what it was with him. I think he was also dealing with a, a back issue. Yeah. Uh, but he was really having that nagging problem all season. But, you know, he didn't have an extra base hit at all in the first month of the season. And then he missed May with that injury. And one of his problems is really unique. So as we talk about some of these other hitters in the Giants system, 
nearly all of them, you're going to hear the same thing. They have strikeout problems. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're talking Von Brown, Grant McRae, uh, any of the others, strikeout problems. Luis Matos doesn't have that issue. He had just mm-hmm. 66 strikeouts and 376 at-bats last season, yeah. which is pretty good. You know, it's, it's on the sunny side of good, at least. And that is something that makes it unusual. His problem was when he was making contact, it was weak contact and it was turning into a lot of outs Mm -hmm. and adding some more strength to the point where he's getting more of those fly balls over the infielders or hitting more line drives instead of just kind of pop flies. uh, That's really going to be what makes the difference for him. So he needs to be healthy and he needs to be stronger. Uh, The defense is still there. The natural tools are still there. He's little wiry kid that should be able to play in center field mm-hmm. but uh he needs to stop being that wiry and really start uh hitting the balls with some authority and hopefully he'll make some better swing decisions because he may not strike out a lot but that's because of his contact skills he makes contact with almost any swing he makes but as long as it's weak contact it's not going to do him any well so the swing decisions not swinging at junk and waiting for the pitches that he can drive will help him out as well. We got to remember too, this dude like just turned 21 last month. He's a child. I mean, he's, he's still super young. So, I mean, can be a little uh, more patient with him. And um, yeah, so definitely looking forward to Luis Matos. Cause I remember two years ago, we were like, and he was like solidified number two prospect in the system behind Luciano. And then, yeah, I mean, he's just last year heard him definitely, but um you know, still young enough to uh, write the ship. So hopefully he can make a big jump again in 2023. So definitely. Um, all right. Let's talk about it because this guy, I don't know. I, there's maybe a small slim chance he's on the opening day roster. I, I don't know. We'll see. I want to hear what you think. But Casey Schmidt caught fire in Eugene, continued his success with uh, just 29 games in Richmond. Uh, before they upped him up to AAA sack at the end of the year last year. We know he's got the really good glove at third base, um, but will the batting numbers follow? He's had a really good spring. I know that. You know, Take that with a grain of salt. Um, but also, you know, reading up on your site here, you got him categorized as a third base version of Brandon Belt. Why? It's not about what you think. It's because the fans are going to be absolutely torn about him. Um, and let me let me tell you why. Because it just happened today. I don't know if you guys were watching the broadcast of that really, really awful giant spring train game today. Zaidi's <laughs> uh, on the radio. He's talking about Casey Schmidt. And he's saying, you know what? He can kind of play shortstop. We think we might have him back up Brandon Crawford a bit. Um. I think we've talked about this before. We have. Yeah. Now, first first of all, before I get into my personal thoughts, he can play shortstop. And he did it because Marco Luciano went down last year with that back injury. He played 40 games at shortstop with Eugene, and he does a good job there. He does a good job. So can he play shortstop? Yes. But he's an elite third baseman. Like, we're not talking a 60-grade third baseman. We're probably talking a 70-grade third baseman. One scout said that he's the best third baseman in the minors since Nolan Arenado defensively. I heard that too. Which is high, high praise. He can handle that. He's got the arm. He's got the reactions. And he's playing there. Um, But like you said, will the bat play up? The bat was a question when he got drafted um, out of San Diego State. It's continued to be that he has performed well this uh, this last year, yeah. and he he wasn't healthy his first season. He was healthy this season, and he impressed a lot of people because he starting to cool off in Eugene. He got that promotion up to Double A, and then he raked and he raked for an entire month. And you don't see a lot of guys make that jump from Single A to Double A that way. That jump is a hurdle. And a lot of players fall down when they try to make it. He did not. And that says a lot about him. And he's still doing good. Not great. Good in spring training right yeah. now. Um, so I still have doubts it's going to carry to be a uh, 
plus plus offensive bat at third base in the majors. He might be plus, he might be an average bat third base, but he's got the defense. And that's where this discussion really starts. Brandon Belt had the potential to be a plus plus offensive third base, first baseman. He was often only average at first base, but his value came a lot also on the defensive side of the ball. And that was a great thing to see. It's an underappreciated thing to say, see, and frankly, Giants fans between JT Snow and Brandon Belt, we are spoiled about what good defense is at third base because ask the Mets and the Red Sox what that looks like most of the time. Right. And they will tell you that we have been blessed. Now, at third base, that defense is more apparent. You get to see that defense on display more. You appreciate it more. That's why we talk about Nolan Arenado the way we do. But some fans don't appreciate defense. Some executives, too. And that's where this all kind of starts to play. So we are going to have a debate about whether or not Schmidt is good enough offensively to stick at third base, even if he is an elite defensive talent there. And, you know, let's go back to this discussion I was just had on the on TV earlier today with Zaidi. You know, he's talking about keeping Sean Jelly on the major league roster. And I love this. I'm a huge fan of Sean Jelly. He's huge, literally. He's got balls that go straight down. He is the type of pitcher that batters can't prepare for because they don't make batting machines that high. And he is always going to get ground balls. This is a pitcher whose career pretty much is all about letting those ground balls get hit and turning them into outs because he's fairly hittable. He's not a strikeout pitcher. That's fine. Yeah. So you're talking in one breath about putting a pitcher on the roster who needs a good infield defense behind him to be able to be effective. And then the next breath, you're saying, we're going to take an elite infield talent and put him to a place where he's just good. Also, we're going to have him ride the bench when he could be working on his stuff in third base. Now, he hasn't guaranteed that that's what they're going to do with Schmidt. Schmidt's probably going to start at sack at some point, but just talking about it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Zaidi, I totally get that. Backup shortstop. Yes, a veteran. Go get someone. There, there's going to be someone who can handle second and short. He'll have some versatility. He'll play even center field if you want him to. But get some guy that can actually do it, and let's develop the elite guys, like the top prospect guys, and let them grow into their roles. That's just my opinion. I am not getting paid. I don't have the experience. <laughs> Obviously, Zaidi knows in general what he's doing, but we are pretty opposed on these opinions. I totally agree with you. I am. I want to see Casey Schmidt play third and play third only. And I, I respect that. Like, yeah, of course he could probably go to shortstop and, and be good there, but we're talking about a guy and you just said it, that has an opportunity to be like a major league elite third baseman. And even if that comes with an average bat, he's going to have a long career uh, in the major leagues because it's not every day that you get a glove like this. I mean, to me, and it's been for a couple years now, you have Arenado and Chapman, and then it's like everybody else is like on a different tier. Right. And who knows? Like Casey Schmidt could absolutely be the next. I mean, I'm not saying bat-wise, of course, because Arenado's, you know, a really damn good player. But could he be a Matt Chapman in a couple years? Maybe. The power keeps going at every level. And, I mean, he's hitting them out in the spring, although, you know, pitching's a little different in spring training. But if he continues to have some good power, you know, go hit 230, 240, but bring an elite glove. I mean, the Giants got to, gotta, you know, cherish that and keep him at third base. Even if it, if he's not up uh, to start season, you know, probably this summer or something. Let's see it. Agreed. And, you know, Doug, you know, you and I, we had the privilege of seeing Casey Schmidt in Stockton, you know, uh-huh. when he's playing for San Jose. And, yeah, and we had – I think I think at that time, this is a couple years ago now. I mean, he's hitting like sixth or seventh in that lineup, but he mm-hmm. looked he looked the part at third base. He was very comfortable making very routine plays, making you know the the, the plus plays as well. And he had a he had a backhand stop over the bag at third yes. that he had to die for, and still threw out the runner. I think it was a left handed batter towards the top of the lineup for Stockton. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's just like holy cow! You don't see this from you know twenty year olds. You don't yeah. see that. 
So. Yeah, and with with the, with the organization kind of kind of kind of hedging, you know, defense here the last the last couple of years, it's like let's let this one guy who could be special at this position just let him become special there and yeah. not s- screw him all over the infield like they've been doing with everybody else. Agreed. Yeah, and especially think about the guys that they are signing. You see what they think about defense. Like I love Wilmer Flores. I love Wilmer Flores. He's a great guy. He <laughs> is a good hitter. I'm not going to talk about much. And that's it. That's it. That's it. That's the end of it. So, yeah. All right, man. We agree. All right. Kind of, kind of getting back to, uh, you know, the infield defense. Uh, Kevin, how far do you think Logan Wyatt has fallen in the eyes of the organization? And is there any optimism that he can finally ascend here in 2023? Um, Here, let me see if I can find him. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, I'm a little surprised that you're asking about it. Look, I thank love you, Logan thank White. you. Somebody said after. it, Rob. I almost cussed you out yesterday when I saw this question, dude. <laughs> Second Sorry. round pick, come on, man. Shit. And Fair. I hate, I hate to like diss anybody. Like Logan, if you do watch, like I want to see you do well because when you talk about someone who has a single skill that he can do well, watching Logan Wyatt take pitches is. Hey, we're going to say Brandon Belt's name again. Uh, it is, he is really good. And he's got a great eye for the strike zone. And quite frankly, I would put him against the Pacific Coast League Robo-Ums because he does have a great batting eye. The problem is, is that he is not able to yet translate that into other parts of his game. And he, you know what? You get on base a lot. You can survive without hitting a lot of home runs. Um, the problem for Wyatt, first of all, the big problem last year was there was something going on, an uh, injury that is undisclosed, so I have no idea what it was. He missed most of the year. He got in late in the complex leagues, back up to San Jose, uh, after he had started his career at Eugene, which was probably too aggressive an assignment, unfortunately. Agreed. And uh, he had struggled. So, yeah, it's it's hard to look at Wyatt and really expect a lot out of him right now. I will say this. Let me just give the silver lining. He played in the Arizona Fall League, and he played alongside Luis Matos. He played alongside Will Bednar. He was by far the best giant in the Arizona Fall League against pitchers who are much higher level than him. I know that the Arizona Fall League is it's an offensive showcase. It's not an offensive showcase for walks. And he went in there against better uh, pitchers. And in uh, 68 plate appearances, he walked 17 times and struck out seven. And that's the first time we started to see Logan Wyatt looking like the Logan Wyatt at Louisville and looking at the Logan Wyatt even in spurts at Eugene. Mm -hmm. If he can put that together, if you've got one plus-plus skill – you can make the other skills work around it. Right. He just hasn't shown any of it in the regular seasons yet. And even as a second round pick, which still gives you a little bit of privilege, this, I'll say it now, this will be his make or break year about whether or not he can do make himself uh, do something with it or whether he's going to become an organizational soldier. And, you know, maybe a really good batting coach one day, which... Frankly, it's not a bad thing. I've seen a lot of players turn to really good hitting coaches. Thomas Neal, Damon Miner. Hell, Travis Ishikawa. Very true. So, Damon Miner making the Say Hey podcast. Yeah, congratulations, Damon, if you're listening. (laughs) But but no, but no, the only, I got to say, I got to say this. The only reason, you know, I brought Logan Wyatt was because when the Giants drafted him, Doug and I, and still are, we've been thirsty for somebody to take that first place mantle over Brandon Belt. (laughs) And even even though Brandon Belt is not on the team anymore, they still haven't replaced him. They just have Rob, du- they just have dudes. Rob, right? I got three words for you. Ready? Lamont Wade Jr., bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a first baseman, all right. Yeah, sure. But yeah. but no, like when they, when they took him in the second round a couple of years ago, Doug and I were like, oh, yeah, maybe okay, maybe they're finally looking to finally replace Belt and get someone else in there. But yeah, it, it's uh, injuries. Yeah, I mean that's been part of it. But yeah, it's kind of sucks to see why it not kind of ascend at all the last couple of years it's just 
you know, and he felt like Zaidi's sort of pick, like he I agree. the strike zone. Yes. You know, it, it felt That's like true. the right player in the right system. I, to be honest, it was one of the few things I've ever predicted correctly in a draft preview was saying like second round, like they should be looking at Logan White. He would be right up their alley. Um, I would love to see him make me look like an idiot on this podcast. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all are watching Ted Lasso, but if he could like take this podcast, <laughs> fold it up in his wallet and come at, at me in 30 years when I'm writing a book about the San Francisco Giants and tell me like, <laughs> you told me this, you said I was crap and I still blame you for it every day. Like, that would be great. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd love for you to become Roy Kent, my friend. By the way, if you're not watching Ted Lasso, watch Ted Lasso. Yes. Yeah. Um, Very good. But yeah, like I would love to see it, but I am not going to put any money on it right now. Understandable. Kevin, with the Giants having a deeper bullpen at the big league level in 2023 with the additions of Taylor Rogers, Scott Alexander coming on at the end of the, uh, last year, and Camilo Duvall cementing himself as, in my opinion, one of the NL's top closer. Um do relievers such as RJ Dapovich and Randy Rodriguez, who's your number 17 prospect, have a lot of pressure to thrive in the minors uh, and make the club this season? Or is this more of a year where, hey, get stuff right and, you know, we'll call you up when you're ready? It's an important year for one guy, and that's Randy Rodriguez. Um, he's on the 40-man roster. They protected him uh, from the Rule 5 draft sure. the year before last. And let's face it, you're on the 40-man roster. Uh, it is open season for Farhan Zaidi to do things with you. And we have seen that Zaidi will put players that are not necessarily ready and put them in a big spot. And just say 2021, he did that with uh, Camilo Doval, Kravin Castro, and Gregory Santos. Those are three pitchers who had never pitched above single A. And they all made major league appearances. Um, and quite frankly, at the start of the season, when they did that the first time, none of them looked good. No. <laughs> and you, you look at how it's played out and you kind of go like, well, is this enough? Like Camilo Duvall responded and he really built himself up. Now, he's yeah. still a guy that sometimes he'll get shaky in those big circumstances that we saw it in the playoffs against the Dodgers. He's a great pitcher. I love that fastball. Um, he responded. Kravin Castro looked great, and then he didn't, and then Farhan Zaidi got tired of him, and yep. he became a 40-man roster cut because Zaidi needed someone else. Um, and then you got Gregory Santos, who Gregory has Santos. had his own issues we won't get into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you, you look at it, and you see like Randy Rodriguez. Um, now, Rodriguez was hit hard by the lockout. Um, a lot of people don't think about this with the lockout, because Minor leaguers continue to work with the team. Randy Rodriguez was not a minor leaguer by the rules of the CBA because he was on the 40-man roster. He did not get to work out with the team uh, over the offseason. He came into camp not in the best shape, not really well prepared. We saw this with a couple of guys. Hey, hi, Elliot Ramos. Um, So (laughs) you see this sort of a thing where he started off slow. I wonder if that's why they had him starting of all things to start in Eugene. Um, So he got off to a weird, slow start. Then he looked dominant when they moved him back to relief in Eugene. And then he struggled as he got up to the higher levels. I don't think those struggles will stop. Um, I don't think they're going to stop him from really getting a shot in the big leagues this year. I think Zaidi is going to play with him. And I hope he responds well because he's got an electric arm. He was my number two yeah. reliever in my uh, in my picks. I think I had him at number seventeen in my yeah. rankings. Um, so I there's a lot to like about him. When he is on, uh, he is a very good pitcher. Now Dabovich, he's not on the forty man roster. He can take his time because honestly. To be 100% honest, the Giants bullpen is pretty good. It might even be very good. Um, On the other hand, Sacramento's bullpen could be wild this year. Like, really, really eye-openingly good with a couple of names you may not expect. And I think I'm going to mention that a little bit later. Um, Davovich can play with it. He had some problems with a hamstring. 
He also had some problems with the robo lumps. I'm not sure which it was, but his control went off the rails in Sacramento last year. Uh, he gave up a home run earlier tonight in spring training, but I really love his fastball curveball combo. Yeah, and I think that he's got the ability to um, really do something special w- if he gets the time to work on it. So, and that's the thing. Until he gets put on the forty man roster, he's got the time. So, I think this True. is going to be his year to figure it out. And the next year is going to be the year the pressure is going to be on from Michael Majors. Big time. All right, kind of an easier question here, Kevin. All right. All right, who has the higher upside, Grant McRae or Vaughn Brown? Both you said the, easy. It's easy. It's easy because they're both in your in your top six. So. Neither Rob Elliot Ramos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Come just, on, that's the only right response there. Just, just say they're both going to kick ass. Uh, they're both going to kick ass. Um, they're also both going to kick a lot of win with their strikeouts. Uh, these two are really close in upside and if i need to pick i'm picking grant mccray and the reason for that is he's 22 brown's 25 Mm -hmm. there's more room for mccray to grow and especially in terms of strength and there's honestly not a lot of room for von brown to grow because i don't know if you've seen him but that man is as swole as a center fielder is ever going to look Um, I, I think Jim Callis and Roger Munter were discussing him and they called him like the son of Gabe Kapler. That's the kind of shape he's in. And I, Gabe Kapler did that, made the majors off of it. True. Um, so yeah, McCray has more upside because there's still room for him to grow literally and in his game. Yeah. That being said, Brown is closer to his ceiling. Right. And I would say that Brown is more likely to reach his ceiling. Uh, when you look at strikeouts to plate appearances, uh, Brown struck out in 26% of his plate appearances. McCray struck out at just shy of 30%. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a big difference, but it's a big enough difference that can really start to affect the game. Uh, I, I love Von Brown. Uh, I kept him a little bit lower than most people. I've got him at number six in my rankings just because there are caveats. He's a fifth-year senior sign. He was older than everyone he was playing with. But there are also things I absolutely love seeing about this guy. He is a true gym rat. He is an intelligent player who makes adjustments. The biggest thing that can tell you what you need to know about Von Braun is when he was in Eugene, I got there just as he was got his call up to Eugene. I saw pretty much his first week or so with the Emeralds. And I was there when he took a day off. And you know what the Emeralds had him doing on his day off? Coaching, coaching first base. First. <laughs> I mean, it players coach first base all the time. That's not the weirdest thing in the world. But to have a guy who's been there for a week, earn the manager's trust and earn the teammates' trust to be in that role right away is saying something pretty special about him. So I really love Von Brown. I think we're going to see a lot out of him. McCray, I think he's going to have a bumpier ride as he goes up. Those strikeouts will be an issue. But if he can figure it out, he's got more than enough speed. He's got better speed than Brown. Uh, He could turn into a regular 20 home run player, probably closer to 15. But when you talk about a guy with that speed on the base paths, wreaking havoc you know haven't talked to bryce johnson become a menace mm-hmm. uh but by the same token playing an elite defensive center field yeah uh i mean the floor is very high for someone like mccray he does not have to be a 300 hitter to be an impact player mm-hmm. so and the giants I, need I, I a center that. fielder they they need two center fielders you need a center fielder <laughs> in center you need one in right even with the new dimensions at oracle true that's a good point very true Good point. Uh, yeah, two and good I'll, athletes for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'll just throw this out there, by the way. Um, four of the five outfields in the NL West are the biggest outfields out there, especially in right field. So you're not just talking about home field advantage. You're talking about everyone in your division. You want to have good outfielders out yeah. there and prioritize defense over hitting certain baseball executives. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we know, we know, we know. And we, and we agree. Defense isn't important, Kevin. Move on. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Miami Dolphins of, from 1991. Ton of sarcasm there. Um, 
this is an interesting one for me because I, uh, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I think the three of us were kind of uh, on the downtrend of Patrick Bailey a year ago. I've kind of switched a little bit on it, following him a little bit. I don't know. I'll, I'll get your feel on it in a second. But, you know, looking at his numbers and the way he's kind of progressed, if he gives up hitting right-handed completely, like, do you think it would speed up his development timeline? Because his numbers left-handed are solid. He's a great defensive catcher. Um what do you think? I don't think it's going to speed him up that much. And that's mostly just because he needs to make adjustments one way or the other, whether he's sticking with switch hitting or whether he starts to try to just hit uh, left-handed mm-hmm. um, all the time. Because let's face it, hitting left-handed pitchers as a lefty is not an easy thing to pick up right away. Yeah. Uh, and. It, it's, it was interesting to see Bailey. So Bailey had a healthy year. It was great. And let me just quote these numbers for your listeners slash viewers. Uh, 851 OPS against right-handed pitching as a lefty pitter. And then only a 460 OPS against uh, left-handed pitching as a righty hitter. Okay. That is a huge split. Huge. But I also want to bring this up because – it was a significant downtrend for him because if you look at what he did in limited time in 2021, there's still a split, but it's not as bad. It's 812 against right-handed pitching and 676 against lefties, which is more normal. If yeah. he does that, he should still be able to switch hit. Um, the question is going to be, what was it that had him really bad last year doing last year. And that? It's a hard thing, or last year. Um, it's a really hard question to answer because we don't know. It might have been adjustments he was trying to do that just haven't worked out. And there have been a few Giants hitters who have had problems with that. Um, I don't know that him dropping it is going to make things move faster for him. Like you said, he's a good defensive catcher. You can bank a career on that. You can hit yeah. well or you can hit not well if you're a good defensive catcher. Hey, Roberto Perez, love you on the Giants. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing that you're going to be able to bank a career out of. It won't be an exciting career they get for a mid-round or mid-first-round guy, but it's a decent career. Um, but he's got to put it together, and he's also got to put it together in other ways to just keep it consistent, keep things going, uh, work with his pitchers, you know, those are the types of things that are going to really make him matter. But I remember when he got drafted and I was right there in the Joey Bart versus Patrick Bailey debates. And I was a I was a Joey Bart guy. Um, you know, the big thing people said when he was drafted is, hey, this switching catcher is really rare. And it would really suck to see him lose that. I don't think he needs to lose that at this point, but he might. Now, still being a lefty-hitting catcher, still pretty special. True. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's just kind of like one of those things where it's like those expectations when he was drafted and where he's at right now, he needs to kind of level off those expectations. And I think that's what this year is going to be about. He'll be in Richmond as well. We'll see what he's doing. Uh, but then again, you know, I overheard Jim Callis and Roger Munter talking the other day, uh, and uh, Jim Callis asked, who would you rather have at catcher in the future, Joey Bart or um, or Patrick Bailey? And Roger was like, actually, I'd rather have O'Neill Perez. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Hmm. Rule five guy this year, too. Yeah. Yep. So, big That'll be an him. interesting one because yeah, good defensive catcher. That's the kind of guy you can stash really nicely on a lineup, especially if you're a bad team. Let him hit poorly, have him as a backup. You can keep him all year. So he's a risk to actually stick. Very true. All right, Kevin. Uh, Got to get to Marco Luciano. You know, given his back issues, you know, as of late and the last couple of years, what are the chances the organization starts giving him more looks at like third and first just to kind of reduce the strain on his body? And you asked me why I called Casey Schmidt the third base, uh, Brandon Bell. Damn it, Rob! <laughs> <laughs> it, it, this, this is 
going to be why, and it's going to be the long-term discussion. Now, uh, it's going to be really questionable to see what happens with Marco Luciano. There was an interesting week where I was all in a tizzy about what's going to happen with Marco Luciano because Carlos Correa is a giant now. Right. And <laughs> it seemed like the Woo! point to say, hey, where are we going to put him? We got Casey Schmidt third. Um, we're getting close to that, but I don't think you're going to see it just yet. Uh, for what it's worth, it wouldn't surprise me to see Luciano at third base. This year, it wouldn't surprise me to see him in left field this year. Right. And honestly, I think left field makes more sense because he still has good range. It's going to be easier on his back. Uh, you know, any position he plays at, he'll have to lay out at some point, one point or another. But I think he could handle himself in left if he's given time to really learn the position, get used to fly balls, um, get, get used to trying to track them off the bat. I honestly, I'll be honest, I don't see him at first. Okay. Um, well, let me let me phrase it. I don't see him at first in the immediate future because that devalues his trade value. Okay. Um, I don't think the Giants are going to trade him, but I think Farhan Zaidi is going to listen to every phone call. And As he should. Th- those phone calls are going to be a lot less interesting if everyone sees Luciano as a first baseman as opposed to anywhere else on the diamond so third base possibly brandon belt real debates brandon belt because brandon belt never had another first baseman to really compete with just uh imaginary ones in free agency um so you could see a lot of schmidt luciano discussions but hey left field's looking pretty open uh right now so you know no one from the first round in the last couple of years has really stepped up to claim it not elliot ramos not hunter bishop uh, so yeah, I could see Luciano getting some time out there. It's just, just to see. They got you know, a good left field in Richmond. You know, it's funny that you bring up, um, the whole Correa thing because, uh, and, and another thing that we've discussed on here before. And, um, I feel like before this last season, you're one of the few guys that we know that, you know, watch a lot of giants prospects that was team, Luciano shortstop you know and and Rob and I have been too like he Mm -hmm. you know until we see him get reps at another position you know he is a shortstop and I I still think I'm with you at least for this year you know you're gonna see that but yet when when Correa was going to sign with the Giants it was like okay well obviously you know they have a really good glove there now so they're gonna have to do something different with Luciano but um, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do because they, you know, Iverson Arteaga is making his making his way up. Ryan Reckley's very young, but um, they have a couple of shortstop options in the system. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll till I die, man. I'll stay Luciano short, but uh, you know, he's got to stay healthy. He has to prove that he can stay healthy to play that type of position for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, shortstop is a very interesting position for the Giants right now with Reckley. Um, with uh, Artiega, with yeah. Anthony Rodriguez, yeah. um, and the but shortstops always come in and start as shortstops and go somewhere else. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, keep them at shortstop as long as possible, because quite frankly, the other positions will be there when the time sure. comes. And at some point, Brandon Crawford's going to need a backup shortstop in the next four or five years, and Zaidi can put. Luciano up there and have him play like 15 games a year on the bench. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting catty. I'm just saying, <laughs> if you've got a 73rd baseman and a 50 shortstop and you decide to swap them, so you've got a 50 shortstop and a 53rd baseman. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> hey, hey, no, you, you know what, though? Like, I'm sure a couple years ago when Fernando Tatis Jr. came up, I'm sure if you'd asked AJ, oh, I'm sure I'm sure if you'd asked AJ Peller, hey, in two years you're gonna be throwing three hundred million dollars at Xander Bogarts to play that to play that position. I'm sure he'd be like, uh, I don't think so, but shit happens, right? That it does. Forrest Gump yeah. taught us that well. <laughs> Most overrated shortstop in a game. Anyways, um, so we, I feel like we're gonna wrap it up here. This is this we kind of do this every time we talk. So I have like two quick questions. To, um, and I know you'll go on because you love uh, you love your guys that nobody knows about. So, who is your favorite prospect? Nobody's talking about. 
I saw this. I, you know, obviously, like I said, we've asked it before. You know, so yeah. you're going to ask me this again. So I really had to work hard on this one because part of me is like, who do I not talk about? And Where's who Simon do I not talk about with some of the other guys? <laughs> um, so, like, there are always those guys. Uh, quite honestly, the first guy I'm going to talk about, but he, he's been talked about a little bit this spring because of a really great article uh, by Susan Slesser in The Chronicle, uh, Ishmael Mungia. He's mm-hmm. back after recovering from hand surgery that uh, or wrist surgery that took him out all of last year. I have never seen a player play with as much joy on the field since Pablo Sandoval. And it's the heart of Pablo Sandoval and the body of Marvin Bernard. And All right. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, am I talking about a guy that's going to change baseball? No. Um, am I going to talk about a guy who's fun to root for and is going to make you love the game? Yes. He, is so, he was so much fun to watch at Eugene a couple of years ago. I'm looking forward to him. He's one of my favorite guys in the system. And I don't know someone who doesn't pay attention to the giant system that doesn't think he's their favorite guy or in that list. So there's always guys like that. There's guys like Simon Whiteman. Thank you, Doug. There's O'Neill Perez. There's Connor Cannon. Yes, he's back. <laughs> he um, is. That's right, baby. Any great power. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, it's it's the perfect nickname. Just, just stay healthy, Connor. Uh, but <laughs> let me give you a guy that I think might make an impact and might make an impact as soon as next year in the majors. Okay. Blake Rivera. Mm-hmm. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Came in, great hammer curve. He's dropped that curve. He's not throwing it much anymore. Uh, but what he is throwing is high 90s fastball. He's got amazing life on it. That get It's got a ceiling of being a double plus pitch. He's got a slider that's a plus pitch. The only thing that stops Blake is staying healthy. But he, was, he had his healthiest year last year. He was still out for a couple of months. But he had a 2.70 ERA in Richmond with uh, – not a great looking 48 strikeouts in 46.2 innings, but for a guy that's had as little experience as he has while trying to get up the ladder and he's still been ready to go and thrown those sorts of numbers. Um, I absolutely love him. And I think that he is going to be a huge surprise in what is going to be a very crowded Sacramento bullpen next year with Randy Rodriguez, with Dabovich, as we've talked about before. Um, so, I he's my guy that I think is going to surprise a lot of people that are just like, wait, that guy's still around. He is. And he could be special by the way. Also kind of a favorite is Dabovich just because I'm an old star Trek fan. I love deep space nine. It's <laughs> I just want to see him come up. And every time he strikes out somebody, I'm going to be like, I'm in quarks at DS nine going Dabo. <laughs> I, I'm a nerd. Nerding out, baby. I love it. I love it. Uh, Last one. Who surprises and who disappoints this year, prospect-wise? I'm going to give you two surprises because there's kind of two different levels on it. For Mm -hmm. names that you're probably thinking about, Carson Seymour. He was one of the guys that uh, was part of that Darren Ruff trade with the Mets. They got a lot of interesting names. That was – I'm giving Zaidi a lot of grief, but – that was a great trade he made that got a lot of interesting people. Yeah. I'm low on him at 27 on my rankings, uh, but he really had an interesting year because he had a fastball that jumped up in velocity. Uh, he was getting a lot of interesting movement, and uh, he was having some trouble working with it, but still put together a good year. If he is familiar with it now knows what to do with it, he could really move up the system pretty quickly. And looks like a back of the rotation starter. Um, if you want to talk about guys out of last year's draft who could pop up, I'm going to give you a third round pick, William Kempner. Uh, okay. William Kempner has a really interesting delivery. He throws nearly sidearm, and his fastball is flat, which is about as much as you're going to get for a rising fastball when it comes to a hitter's eye. And I love guys that have a different look they're going to be like a like a change up to pitchers you know that's what sean jelly is that's what taylor rogers was i I was saying taylor rogers name for like three years and people like he's always in the rule five draft no one picks him he's never going to be good and then he got up and he actually had like a really great few years there even with his struggles last year yeah Uh, but there's one thing different between tyler rogers and kempner 
and that is Kempner and his sidearm fastball that looks weird. It comes at you at 98 miles an hour. So, not 78. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, not only different. Look weird. You're going to have less time to say the letters WTF. You'll be lucky if you get ah. the WF. Um, so, with that, I think that there's a lot of potential for him. He's got the kind of thing that can kind of move quickly through uh, low A. He still needs to work on his secondary pitches to truly be effective going forward. But I think he's going to put together some numbers that are going to surprise a lot of people. Even though he didn't look that great in his cameo at the end of last season, keep an eye on him. And then disappointments, we've already mentioned him. I'm going to bring it back up, and uh, I don't want people to think I'm down on him. That's Reggie Crawford. Uh, Crawford is in a lot of prospect list top tens. He's a first-round pick, so he's got that pedigree. He's got that privilege. He's got those expectations. He's not going to meet them. He's raw as heck. He's a high schooler who just is coming off Tommy John surgery. He didn't throw a pitch last year. He's still a very raw hitter. He has a lot of work to put in. And that's okay. Like, it's not a bad thing that he's going to disappoint on expectations that have nothing to do with the player he's been, has everything to do with the situation of where he got drafted and what he's coming off of. So he's going to fall short of those expectations and don't get mad at him because that's just going to be part of his of his baseball journey. And, you know, really don't look for him in 2023. Look for him in 2024 and see what he does after uh, really getting that year under his belt. I just want to ask you this real quick, and sure. it's, it's on topic. Do you think – I feel like this is such a generic mainstream question, but say Shohei Otani doesn't exist. Does the – excitement or the magnitude or the sexiness of Reggie Crawford's, you know, attributes and his abilities, are they the same? Or is he just like, this guy's trying to be a two-way player? You know what I mean? Uh, There have been drafts littered with potential two-way players. Casey Schmidt. Um, Yeah, I, I think Shohei Otani has changed the game and changed hopes and dreams. Yes. I don't think Crawford would have been taken seriously as a two-way player. I don't think anyone would have bothered with him as a hitter. Um, That's what I mean. Otani wasn't really changing expectations. And to be fair, I'm not saying he's changing expectations of the executives. Uh, Crawford wants to be a two-way player, which is great. Like, I encourage it. Like, be all that you can be. Um, And there is nothing wrong with that. But Otani has changed it, and that's a thing. And you look at this year's draft, you look at next year's draft, there's a few players that are coming out saying two-way players. Um, I put two-way player as like the bonus ranking in my prospect list this year. I saw that. Honestly, kind of because I didn't know where to rank Crawford as a pitcher or a hitter otherwise, and it kind of just worked as a gimmick. It's going to be a gimmick in this case. We'll see if that continues in the future. And you know what? I think Otani would look good in orange and black. I'm just, I'm just saying. And not oh man, orange oh, and black. Either. Yeah. Hey, get my hopes up. You know, Carlos Correa left a lot of money on that table, and it's just <sighs> sitting there eating up bank interest. You know, didn't didn't the Giants just come out as like the second most profitable franchise in baseball? Hey, Charles Johnson, spend some money because otherwise Silicon Valley Bank's going to fail again and you're going to lose it. So go (laughs) spend it. I'm just glad that they reached that huge number of 170, 180 million that we were told they were going to spend. Good for them. That's all that matters. (laughs) Anyways, Kevin, thank you for coming on, man. We always love having you on and have a good time. Um, Like you just said, I believe earlier this week, your rankings came out. Where can we find your work and plug yourself? Uh, you can find my work at giantfutures.com or follow me on Twitter at SFGiantFutures. Uh, I'm also going to try to post more on Facebook because I, I don't know trust Twitter right now. Uh, so you can find me there as well. Same thing, SFGiantFutures.com. And you can listen to me on this podcast whenever I come on because I hope we'll be again soon. Absolutely. We'll have to check in with you like mid-season, see where everybody's at. Of course. And check back in on if, if we were right or wrong on anybody, of course. So, Yeah, um, I'm Kevin. totally going to remember all of that. <laughs> yeah. 
Kevin, man, thanks for coming on. Enjoy uh, the rest of your trip down in the desert. And, um, you know, we'll have you again on soon for sure. And for Say Hey Doug, Say Hey Rob, and Kevin Cunningham, thank you. Have a great night. And go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants. Say hey. Say who. Say Willie. Say hey. Say who. Swinging at the plate. Say hey. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.